This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. I'm excited today for the next few minutes uh, allotted to me. Uh, we haven't done this before at Nova, uh, but we're going to start a new series today preaching through a book of the Bible. Uh, expository preaching verse by verse. Uh, we believe in the Word of God. We believe that it is powerful. We believe the Word of God changes you, and we believe we want to elevate it. We want to prioritize it, and we believe that this book can change your life. And as a church, we're thankful for this morning and these services. We're thankful for atmosphere of worship and, and community. But what a shame to come and be together in church and in your faith never understand the power that this book can make in your life. The Word of God is a cornerstone in our faith, and we want to elevate it. And that's one thing the preachers at our church, and we're very intentional about this, we don't preach opinion or just stories or motivational talks. We always preach out of God's Word. But we want to take this next uh, rest of the summer, and I want to unpack the book of Philippians and go through it verse by verse and pull some truth. I want to encourage you, maybe you want to read the book of Philippians. It's only four chapters this summer. Maybe one a week, maybe a few verses a day. And maybe get ahead and pull some things out of there that maybe we won't unpack. Maybe see some truth God wants to bring out that maybe we don't even see. And let God speak to you through the book of Philippians. I was taught when I was younger, you know, have a reading plan. I don't know if anybody has a devotional plan. And sometimes I was, I was trained, you know, read, read one, one chapter of the New Testament and three from the Old. And you got to make sure you get five or six chapters a day. And that's amazing. And that's great. But I've realized in life, so sometimes, you ever read something and not read something? Right, let me talk to everybody else in the room. You know, you, you read something, but you didn't read it, right? It's like, you know, someone gives you, hey, read this blog or read this story. I just kind of scan through it. And I realize sometimes I've read my Bible, but I haven't read my Bible. And I believe in meditating on it and thinking about it and chewing on it. And I'd rather read four or five verses and say, what's God saying? How's this applied to my life? And how can this change me? I'd rather read five verses and think about that all day then read four or five chapters and not remember. And I'll tell you this, this is the only book you don't read, it reads you. If you take your time and let this Bible read you, it'll read your past and say, hey, this is what God has done for you, and it'll also speak to your future, that God has a hope. Come on, somebody. You can get your head up and your hopes up. So we're going to go through the book of Ephesians. I'm excited about this. I believe God's going to pull some truth out that maybe you haven't seen in this book. And I also want to encourage you that you can see the power of what God wants to say through every single verse, that everything is there intentionally, and that there's truth in there. Even the verses sometimes that maybe you think that's just a filler. Listen, God will use anything to speak to your life. So you have your Bible today. Turn to Philippians. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. You'll see where God's electric power company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It's in the New Testament. And we're going to unpack a few verses today. Are you ready for this? Is it okay to read the Bible in church? I'm not asking. I'm telling you right now. We're going to go through this and believe God's going to encourage you. I love this. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. Uh, interesting about this book of the Bible is that it uh, was written by Apostle Paul, and also giving credit to his disciple, his apprentice, Timothy. The word joy, I think this is why I like it so much, the word joy and rejoice are used 16 times in this letter. This book is a letter that Paul sent to a church in Philippi. He sent them this book and said this, it was a letter that was carried and turned into Scripture. What's amazing is 16 times the word joy and rejoice is used. That's a positive book. I'm a positive person. I think that life should be enjoyable. I believe in fun and laughter. I believe joy is bigger than happiness. You can have joy in the middle of persecution, in the middle of trials. Interesting, this book was written. 
Paul was in prison at the time in Rome. I think the context of that says everything about what we're going to read. Paul wasn't in the Canadian Hawaii, no uh, Halifax. He, he wasn't on vacation. He, he wasn't in an easy season of life. He's actually in a very much a trial time of life. He's in prison. In prison, his freedom is gone. He's not sure what the future will look like. In the middle of this hardship and harshness of life, he writes a book talking about the joy and rejoicing in God. I think we can learn a lot from that. You may walk in here today and go, people are positive, they don't know my life. They don't know what I'm going through. I believe the word of God works in the middle of your tough season. Come on, somebody, in your great season. 16 times, rejoice and have joy. Most scholars believe it was written uh, in AD 62, and today it still speaks to us. Let me read a few verses, starting in verse one. I'm gonna read seven verses of Philippians chapter one. I'd encourage you, bring your Bible to church. We love the screen behind us, but there's something about your Bible. Maybe you want to underline something, write something in. I believe God can speak to you uh, in the seats today. And I believe God can speak to you on a Sunday. It can help you on a Monday. And, amen. Verse 1. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and the deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, that you have been partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain, I love that, I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finished, finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Verse 7, so it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. If you have a special place in my heart, you share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. Today, in this first part of Philippians, I want to encourage you. I believe God's going to speak to you and I'm going to launch you into your week. And God is going to speak truth and life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for every guest. I thank you for every church member here today. Father, I pray that, God, your word would come alive to us. Father, this is more than a history book. It's more than just a book of poetry or of stories. But, God, we believe there's life in your word. You're, you said your word cannot return empty or void or null. And we're believing today as we share your word that life change would happen. We're believing encouragement would fill this room. We believe conviction would fill this room. We believe joy would fill this room. God, we believe that something would happen in our lives. We would not just go through the motions on this July morning, but God, you would step in and show us your goodness. Father, thank you for this church and thank you for your word. And everybody said? Interesting reading in verse 1 and 2. Let me read this today as we unpack this. It says, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. In verse 2 it says, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It starts off, this, this book of the Bible and these two verses, with this tension. He calls us slaves and he calls us sons. I think it's interesting that this starts with these two words, slaves and sons. Those are very different terms. Those are very different relationships. Those are very different identities. Slaves and sons are very different relationships with somebody. They're very different. Slave, slave is a have to. Slave is a, a hard labor. Slave is captive. Slave is no rights. Slave is burdensome. Uh, slave is full of duty and sometimes hardship. 
Sons or daughters are completely different than slaves. They speak to ownership, relationship, legacy, rights, and freedom. So as we start this, in only the first two verses, Paul says, we are slaves. And then he says, and we are sons. So which is it today? If this Bible still is, is relevant for today, and it is, if this is speaking to us as our life, listen, today are you a slave or are you a son? Very interesting. He calls themselves slaves and he calls themselves sons, which is it? Paul, I believe, is starting by painting a proper perspective for us to see ourselves. I've realized in life that most offense and most disappointment in life is all about perspective and expectations. People that have disappointed you is because you had expectations that they did not meet. Maybe, maybe they were too great expectations, or maybe they just didn't meet what should have been expected. But what you expect and expectations and perspective are everything in life. In this faith, sometimes we come into faith and we have a moment with Christ and we start this relationship. I believe it's important, and Paul's speaking to this church going, I need to start off with the right perspective and the expectation so you can know who you are in this faith. My friends, you got to know who you are. We just finished a series about the I am's of Jesus, who he is. But now Paul is speaking to us and saying, who are we? Are we sons or are we slaves? There's a tension here in this verse. I love uh, dealing with young adults and I love dealing with all ages. And whenever you hear people getting into a relationship, they always get to one point where they're saying, we have to have the talk. You know the talk in relationships? The, the define the relationship talk. Now, we had the talk with our kids, the, the sex talk. That's one talk. Come on. If you haven't had that talk, um, just ask your parents or you can ask the worship team. Just don't talk to me. Just figure it out. <laughs> I heard someone say this with our kids. Don't have the sex talk. Have a sex conversation. It keeps going. I love saying to my kids, uh, I'm your Google. Don't Google stuff. I'm your Google. Do not Google anything. Google images, nothing. If you have a question, come to me. I'm your Google. But in every relationship, at some point, you have to DTR. Define the relationship. People say, okay, I don't know. Like, we've been going out a lot for coffee, and they invited me to a movie, and I'm not sure, do they like me like me, or do they like me? Or, are we friends, or are we more? And you see this tension of, who are we? What's our relationship? We need to put some parameters, some expectations. We need to put some perspective. Who are, are we just friends? Are we just buddies? Are we like, just like, are you just like a guy friend? Are you just a girlfriend, or are you my girlfriend? Are you my, we have to define the relationship. Jesus and through Paul, the scripture is, is uh, unpacking this, and Paul is trying to define our relationship with God. Are we slaves, or are we, are we kids? The answer is both. We're both. We're serving children. That's who we are. Paul here talks with us and says, you're a slave. We are slaves of Christ, which means we have a duty to him. We are, we are owned by him. We are responsible to him. We are about his work. We are, we are captive of his grace. But then he speaks to sonship and says, we are heirs. We are legacy. We are family. He is our father. Our faith needs to define our relationship. We are children who serve. That's who we are today. How you see yourself will determine your level of expectation and whether your disappointment or excitement is exceeded. You have to know who you are today. I want to challenge you. Scripture says in verse 1 and 2, we are serving children. We are kids that serve. In, in faith, I've realized that if we see ourselves only as slaves, 
And some people do this. I've walked into many a church. I've talked to many Christians that only see themselves as slaves. They are bound by duty. I just have to go to church. I have to serve God. There's this heaviness on them, this weight of, I just have to do this. You can tell their services are full of weight and of burden. Their their lives are running here and there trying to earn the love of God. If you see yourself only as a slave, you'll burn out from this burden of works. I'm trying to earn myself my way to heaven, trying to earn God's goodness if you only see yourself as a slave. If you see yourself only as a son or a daughter, there's another danger. You become selfish and spoiled. We all know the movies and maybe even know people that those selfish, those spoiled rich kids with the silver spoon in their mouth, that their number one line is, no, no, my dad wouldn't say that. My, my, I'm gonna, my dad's going to rescue me from this. The, the tabloids is full of spoiled rich kids who live a certain way and their parents rescued them. If we see ourselves only as kids, there's a chance we can have the wrong perspective of our role. Christianity is, is dangerous sometimes because we can think it's all about us if we only see ourselves as kids. We talk about my heart. What's in my heart? I'm in a season. It's my season. It's, it's, it's what about my calling and my purpose. And These are all accurate and important. But if we only see ourselves as sons and daughters, it becomes all about us. He took my sin. He's working through my life. I have a purpose. I have dreams for my life. God is doing something for me. What about my talents and my calling? And When do I get a chance to step into my fulfillment? And if we're not careful and see ourselves only as sons and daughters, it becomes all about us. We are serving kids. In this city, there's a car dealership that I went to years ago. And, and I, know the, I know the name, the owner of the car dealership. And I went to get some parts for a car. And I went to the parts department. And this young man was helping me on his name tag. He had the same last name as the owner. And striking up conversation, I said to him, I said, excuse me. I said, you wouldn't happen to be related to the owner. He said, yeah, that's my dad. He would have been about 16 at the time. I said, your dad's young. Yeah, I said, can I ask you, why are you working in the parts department? You have the parts gear on. You're, you're covered in, in, in sweat and grease, and you're working things. He goes, because, because I'm learning my family's business from the bottom up, because one day I'm going to lead this thing. But dad wants me to serve and learn all the areas so I can be a better leader, I can be a better help, and I can know what it takes to run this like he did, built it from the ground up. And I saw this picture of what Paul's saying in verse 1 and 2. We are serving kids. My friends, we're not just slaves. you got to know that God's your father. We don't do this out of burden. This is not a have to. There is passion in this room. There is passion in our faith. But we have a responsibility to partner with God and do his works. We owe him a gratitude. His grace, he saved us from our sin. But we are sons and daughters. We have, we have legacy. We have authority. He is our father. But we are serving Kids, I want to encourage you today. We're serving kids. I like this thought. It says, if serving is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. Church life, I can say this. I've been doing this for most of my adult life. Is Sometimes people confuse leadership with a position of entitlement. Sometimes we can think, well, no, I don't, you know, that's not who I am. Listen, if serving is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. The best leaders are servants. Leadership is not a step, a, a step higher, it's a step ahead. It's leading and pulling and working, taking the hits, taking the losses, sharing the wins. I want to encourage you, we are serving sons and serving daughters. We are kids that serve today. Verse 2 says, My God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. 
In verse 2, as serving kids, God gives us something in Scripture. God is a good God. He gives us stuff. Another Scripture says he doesn't give bad gifts. He gives good gifts. It says here that our Father gives us grace and peace. That word grace gets a bad reputation. It gets a bad definition all the time. What is grace? It's unmerited favor and it's unbelievable power. It's favor and power. Grace is something you don't deserve, you can't earn. Grace is something given to you that you didn't work enough, you didn't go to school enough, you weren't good enough, you didn't give enough in the offering, you didn't set up church enough, you didn't sing loud enough. You can't earn grace. But sometimes what happens is we think grace is a pass to sin. We think it's a big magic marker eraser, it's that tied eraser that just, I can live however I want, grace covers me. Because grace covered my past, sometimes we keep living the same way we are and say, no, no, I'm just going to let grace cover my life. I can live however I want. I got a magic marker eraser. I got, I got white out for my life. And people live in their mess. In church world, we call that sloppy grace. That's not grace. Grace is unmerited favor, but it's also power. Power to live holy. I want to encourage you today. It's impossible to follow Jesus and this word on your own. Willpower is not enough. We need God power. But grace is God's power to live right. I heard someone say it's like this. Grace is not the freedom to go play in the mud in your 4 by 4 Grace is the power, the four-wheel drive, to get you out of the mud back on the road. That's grace. Grace finds you where you are. It forgives you where you are. You can't earn it. It washes you clean. And then it's the power to get back on the road. He gives us grace today. Today, if you're going through something, you feel the weight of sin and of guilt, know there is grace on your life. You can't earn it. God gives you grace, forgiveness, and favor, and you are put in a place you don't belong. You are seated higher than when you walked in. Get your head up and your hopes up because God has grace for your life. But know this, there's also power to stay that way, that you can live better than you're living. You can be holier than you are now, that God has truth and purity and power for your life. God has a plan for your life and the power for you to live it. God gives us grace today. I'm so thankful for his grace. Forgave me for my past, but gives me power to live today. He says, gives us grace and peace. Peace. I always think of the hippies in the Volkswagen van. I always wanted a split screen Volkswagen van. Peace. Flower power. Woodstock. That's not that kind of peace. Peace. What does that word mean? I believe it means rest, and it means protection. If there's anything we've ever needed as a culture, it's rest. We've never had life easier with technology. I remember having to mail letters. There were these things, we used to have these envelopes, and we used to put envelopes, uh, uh, you know, we put stamps on them. I remember when you couldn't find your parents. I remember there was a thing called, fa I had a pager. I was 21, I had a pager. Everybody thought I was a drug dealer. No, I was an assistant pastor. I used to give new kids my card. Hey, if you're ever in trouble, page me. I worked with a bunch of drug dealers, and they were doing deals, and I was saving souls. I had a pager. If you don't know what a pager is, you're young. Okay. Remember fax machines? Life has never been easier, but why has it never been harder to have peace? Our minds, are, we've never been able to get more work done, never been able to more to track family members and stay in touch and have relationships, but we've never had less peace in our lives. Rest and protection, the peace of God, goes beyond anything we can imagine. That's the, the peace he's offering, rest and protection. Isaiah 9, 6. Let me read it to you. It says this. Talking about peace today. It says, for us a child is born. We usually read this around Christmas time. For us a child is born. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
know, we live in a culture where princes really don't have authority. They're more of a, a figurehead, more of a cultural thing. We have the Prince of Wales, and we have, they do, but I'm, this is talking about governmental prince. This is someone who had authority. There was kings and princes, and they had, they had power and authority to govern and rule. I want to encourage you today, the God that we serve is the Prince of Peace. That means where he stands and he rules, peace is his kingdom. Canada is known. You know when you're in Canada, when there's poutine, come on. There's plaid shirts, come on. We know when, we're, when we say sorry for everything. When we bump into people, we don't say, excuse me, we say, I'm sorry. Canada has a culture. Do you know God's kingdom has a culture? It's a culture of peace. That whenever God's in charge, peace flows. He gives grace and peace. Peace is this rest and protection. If there's ever a day our marriages need some peace, if there's ever a day our singles need peace, if there's ever a day our minds and our mental health need some peace, it's now. I want to encourage you that when you give God your life and you give him reign over your life, he brings in a kingdom of peace. Yeah. Kingdom of peace. He rules over peace. Wherever he is in charge, peace follows. That's good news today. Is Jesus Lord of your life? If he is, he's promised to bring peace to you. He can only govern what we give him. If you don't have a peace in the area of your life, I want to challenge you today. According to scripture, if he's the prince of peace, he's the ruler of peace, he can only govern what we give him. That's why there's free will. We give him our lives, and then he governs over it. There's an area of your life, I know some people struggle with fear of the future. Well, what if I get on that plane? Or what if my kids do this? Or what if my spouse walks away? Listen, God can only govern what we give him. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your health. God can only govern what we give him. He's the prince of peace. He gives us grace and peace. He can only govern what we give. He can only decree over what we divulge. What we give him, he can decree peace over. There's areas of my life. I've been on a journey the last few months of working through anxiety and working through stress and working th things happening in my body. I don't like going, what is going on? And I feel God calling back going, hey, what you give me, I can govern over. What you divulge, I can de decree. And I start saying, God, take this from my life. Take this stress from my life. Take this concern. What if this is going to happen? And what I give him, he decrees peace over. Let me ask you today, do you have anxiety in any part of your life? Do you have stress in a part of your life? Is there an area where you feel tormented? Give it to Jesus today. He's the God that gives us grace, the power to live, but he also gives us peace, rest and protection. There is no sweeter peace than the peace of heaven. When he's in charge, his kingdom is peace. Are you in the kingdom today? Do you feel the peace of God today? We get that comment a lot about Nova. I walked in there. I just felt peace. I don't know why I cry, but I don't know why I'm in there. I cry. Why? It's the peace of God. When he's in charge, peace flows. There's areas of your life today. You need the kingdom of God to have peace today in your life. He wants to come and bring peace. Verse 3, 4, and 5 makes me think of Nova. It says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Me and Nancy talk about you a lot, church. Talk about our dream team and our church. And Every time we thank God for the talent in this room and the sacrifice in this room and the joy in this room. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you have been partners in spreading the good news about Christ. If there's anything that can sum up Nova is we have a bunch of partners in this room. This does not happen every week because one person gets up and speaks or one person gets up and plays a guitar. This, what you're seeing today, is a miracle of partnership, of people going, God is good, and we are serving children, and we are partners of God, and together, the teamwork makes the dream work. I love this verse. I think I read this verse. It screams Nova at me. A remarkable church full of partners. Verse 6. I love this verse. 
It goes on and says, And I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished. Three words I want to highlight there. Began, continue, and finish. I want to remind you today that God has you, and he won't drop you. He won't forget about you. He won't neglect you, and he won't get tired of you. God began it, God's going to continue it, and God's going to finish it. You need to know that today. You are not a trend that God gets tired of. Trends come and go. Remember mullets? Some of you are like, I still have one, you know. Remember mullets? Remember bell bottoms? Remember fidget spinners? Remember the Snuggie? Remember these trends that come and go, fashion and technology. And I remember when, when beta, uh, is it beta machines, tapes? Is it beta? V, remember VCRs? Eight tracks. Remember my eight track people? Come on. I actually had an eight track. I know. Remember cassettes and mixtapes and trends come and go. The last three letters of trend is end. Why? Because they don't last. And so many people are building their life on a trend. Listen, Instagram is a trend. It will pass. If you don't believe it, look up MySpace. Look up ICQ. Come on, somebody. Remember AOL? Trends. Don't build your life on a trend. Trends come and go. The way you designed your house. 11 years ago, we built our house. Man, we, it was cutting edge. 11 years later, we started to realize some things are dated in this house. Why? Because you can't build on a trend. I want to remind you today, you're not a trend to God. You're not a project he's going to get tired of. It says that he began it, he's going to continue it, and he's going to finish it. And you may have walked in here and started your relationship with Christ, and you may have walked out on him, but he didn't walk out on you. You may get tired of him, but he will not get tired of you. God said, I began it, and I'm going to continue it. And I'm continuing it, I'm going to finish it. God will finish what he started in your life. My friend, there is a rest and a joy in that. My favorite thing to do in cities is to call an Uber. I love going to cities and driving, but I don't want to drive. And you call an Uber, and they pick you up, and they get you where you're going, and they finish the ride. And you, I encourage you, God is like your Uber. You just got to get in and partner with God. But he's got you. He'll pick you up. He'll get you where you're going. He doesn't get lost. He'll never drop you off halfway because God doesn't see you as a trend. He's committed to you. You're not trendy to God. You're not a pet project. And so many times we have people that are friends for a while, but when you can't serve them anymore, you're not cool enough for them. You can't give them what they need anymore. They drop you. That's not the God we serve. It says our God started it, he'll continue it, and he'll finish it. That gives me great hope today that what God starts, some of you have been serving God for decades, 30, 40, 50 years. You are a testament of the keeping power of Jesus Christ. There are some of you that started your faith even in the last year here. You need to know that God will not drop you. He'll finish what he started. That's why we have a generational church. You can see people going, God saved me. And God came into my life in the 70s. And it's not been easy, but it's been rewarding. But God started it. He continued it even through those tough times and the good times. And God is going to finish what he started. Take hope today. You're not a trend to Jesus. It's a passionate, committed relationship. God's got you. He's with you. And he'll be with you. Can someone say amen? God's committed to the long haul. Verse 7. Verse 7. And so it's right I should feel, feel as I do about all of you. I have a special, you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God. I love that verse. The special favor of God. I like favor. Favor. Special access. The Bible says we have more than just favor. We have special favor. You need to know today that you're not normal. Look at the person next to you and say, you're not normal. Some of you are like, you don't even know how true that is, right? <laughs> they say one in three people is eccentric in churches. 
Look at the person to the left and look at the person to the right. If they look normal, it's you, you know? <laughs> special favor. You don't have normal favor in your life. It's special favor. In Luke 2.52, it says this. Jesus is a 12. He's obedient to, to his mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, and to his heavenly father. It says in verse 51, it says he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Why? Because he's a serving child. Even Jesus modeled it. He's a son of God, but he was serving his earthly parents. It says he was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart, which is the Bible's way of saying women never forget anything. It's right there in the word. 52, verse 52, watch this. It says Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor. Jesus is God. And Jesus grew in, 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 in stature and in favor. It says he grew in favor with God and all people. Did you know you can grow in favor with God? God loves you no matter who you are, whether you are the biggest drug dealer in our city or you're trying to do the most good, no matter where you are. God loves you. He'll never love you more than he loves you right now. He loves you because you're his kid. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. God loves you so much. But favor is different. Favor comes out of obedience. That's why when Jesus was baptized, his father said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. Listen, God will always love you, but he's not always pleased with me. I'm always his son. He'll never stop loving me, but some days he's not proud of me with the choices I make and the thoughts I have. But it says here that Jesus grew in favor with God and man, special favor. I want to remind you today, as a church, we are called to be the biggest influencers in our city. We're the biggest dealers of hope and of joy and of peace and of God's kingdom. We are supposed to be the influencers. We're the head, not the tail. Gone are the days when we hide in a church thinking we're waiting for something to happen in a church. God wants to use us in our city, in government, in politics, in education, in medicine, in the arts and the cultures, going in and loving people like Jesus. Doesn't mean we agree with everything, but we love people. We bring peace. Grow in favor. You know there's favor on your life? You don't have to go, I don't know if I, I'm not good enough for that job. I'm not, I, I don't belong at that table of influence. I, I'm just a have not, I'm just, I'm, just a, I'm just a nobody. No, God says we are serving kids and there's favor on our life. Many years ago, we had this idea to rent a nightclub in the city. I share this story often. We were working with young adults at Dalhousie and we had this idea, what if we went to where they are on Friday nights and Saturday nights and we had this idea to rent one of the most popular nightclubs in the city. Had this idea, my team goes, ah, I don't know if that's gonna work, and a little nervous, going, what are people gonna think? We're trying to be cool. I don't know if we belong in a place that smells like beer and regret. Come on, like, I don't know if that works. We're a church, and if this doesn't work everywhere, it works nowhere. This doesn't, doesn't work in just a theater. It works in every bedroom and boardroom and back room. It works in every hallway and alleyway. So we called this manager, his name was Chris. Called him, no answer, left a voicemail. I emailed him, got his email address that he owned. He ran this nightclub. Wouldn't get back to me for weeks. And finally, I get an email at three in the morning when he was getting off work. Hey, who are you? What do you want? Uh, call me tomorrow. I call him again, no answer. Couldn't get through, but I felt God put in our heart. God, you want us to reach people. We have favor with you, and we'll have favor with men. Kept reaching, kept praying. Why? Because there's an assignment on our life. There's an assignment in your life. Remember, I got, finally got a meeting. He's like, all right, I'll be in the office around two. Uh, this day could come down. I called Matt Starrett. You're one of the guys who came with me, and another one of my leaders. I said, we're going to walk in there, dress as cool as you possibly can. <laughs> I got the tightest pants I could find. 
gave myself the coolest haircut. We prayed and believed, God, you got favor on us. We walked in there and he walked in, he said, hey, can I help you? I'm like, yeah, I'm Pastor Mike. He was, you're Pastor Mike? I'm like, I know, right? You know, <laughs> he wasn't expecting this. He wasn't expecting this. He's like, all right, already I got him dazed and confused. I'm like, this is awesome. Matt, you were there. We sat down, we started talking, talking for a bit. And finally we get around and we're connecting and we're laughing. And I brought Matt because he's cool too. And he had faith. And we walked around the block believing, God, you got a miracle. Remember that? We parked right downtown and walked around. God, you got favor. Walked in there. He said, what do you want to do in my club? I'm like, we want to have church. He said, excuse me? I said, church. He's like, I don't understand it. I said, well, we want to rent it on a Sunday night. We want to have a band, and I'm going, to, I'm going to share from the Bible, and we're going to have young adults from all over Dalhousie and, 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 and Halifax and St. Mary's come in here, and we're just going to have a great time. We're going to believe people are going to get to, to meet Jesus. We're just going to have a great time. You're like, oh, okay. He's like, so let's talk budget. I'm like, let's talk budget. He's like, okay, I need $5,000 in sales that night. I'm like, what do you mean sales? He goes, you know, alcohol, uh, uh, food. I'm like, I'm like, there's a lot of churches that do that. We're not one of those, you know, like, like we're not like, come on. I just know high, like the most high that's it. Right. And he's like, he's like, but I need 5,000 in sales. I'm like, we're not selling anything. We're not giving away shirts. We're not giving away nachos. We're not giving away anything. We're not selling. He goes, I need 5,000 in sales to make it worth my time. I'm like, now my heart starts to sink at this point. Cause I had told everybody my big mouth, we're going to do this. Sometimes as leaders, we do that. We're going to change the world. And we have no idea how we're going to do it. So of course I had already Instagrammed it. So, you know, it's real. And now I'm like, what am I gonna do? He's like, he was, and then, you know, you got the DJ. I'm like, yeah, we need a DJ. Whatever the cost, we need a DJ. He's like, and then you got bouncers. I'm like, bouncers? He's like, yeah, the liquor license, we can't revoke it, so you gotta be 19 to get in. I'm like, he goes, I gotta pay for my bouncers. How much are those? They're 20 bucks an hour. How many do I need? He goes, probably five. I'm like, how many? That's gonna be a lot of money. He goes, you also need coat check, and we need insurance, and you need this, and then you gotta pay for the rental, and we got power, and we got lights, and we got, I'm like, oh, that's a lot of money. He goes, I don't wanna quote you. I like you, I don't wanna quote you. It's a church. I don't want to quote you. I said, would you just quote me? He said, I don't want to quote you. To be honest, Matt's sitting there just smiling, and I felt my heart starting to sink. I thought, this isn't going to work. You ever been there? Maybe you said something was going to work, and you thought your marriage was going to work, or these kids, you had dreams for your family, and all of a sudden you start hitting some opposition, thinking, I said a lot of things. It ain't panning out no more. He said, I'll email you a quote. And I walked out that day and I don't remember what happened. I remember I was trying to be nice and, and upbeat with these guys, but I was inside, I was crushed. I thought, I thought, God, you asked me to do this. I thought this was your plan. I had visions of hundreds of young adults flooding this club that it was usually a lot of bad decisions were made. And I thought, what did, I just had this dream. I thought, God, did you not say? Grace and peace, power. The next week I get an email from this guy. He said, Mike, I got a quote for you. How does $1,700 sound for everything? I was like, that sounds like God. <laughs> you ever get an email as you're reading the previous email? Same email came in from him. He's like, Mike, I'm so sorry. I opened the second email. I, I quoted you the wrong price. My heart dropped. He's like, how does $1,500 sound? I'm like, that sounds like Jesus. <laughs> My friend, we walked in that fall, packed. They were lined up, CTV came. Steve Murphy did a, uh, did, did a story on it. They were lined around the block. In a place that usually people woke up the next morning with regrets, we filled it with young adults from all over our city, wall-to-wall -wall kids. We preached, we played, we loved Jesus, we sang songs like Cornerstone, and we preached the word of God and loved on people, and God did a miracle. This video, I still have it, I can show you. It went global, around the world. Last time I saw it, last time I looked at it, it had 100,000 views just on the video alone, this new story. Can I encourage you, there's favor on your life, special favor. 
When you have favor with God, you have no problem with people. Some of you are wrestling with people in your life, but the favor you need is favor with God. If you have God on your side, you have no problem with people. There's assignments on your life. Tell you there's an assignment on your life to influence. Sir, there's an assignment on your life to influence. It's more than a degree or more than just social status. It's more than just who you know. It's the God you serve and the God that made you is the God that saved you. He's the God that wants to launch you. He began it. He's continuing it. He's going to finish it. Why? He has great exploits for our church. <laughs> Philippians teaches us we're serving kids. Who are you today? You're a serving kid. You're a kid. You have keys to the kingdom. He's your dad, but you're working in the family business. Jesus says, I must be about my father's business. Why? He was a serving son. You're a serving daughter. When we set up this gear, we believe it's holy. When we work with your kids, we believe it's holy. When we pour coffee, we're not just filling a need. We believe it's holy. Why? We're serving kids. We're not slaves that are bound to duty, but we're also not kids that just, just skip off and go, my dad will cover the bill. We are serving kids. We are about our Father's business, and we are blessed with grace, which is both favor and power, and we're blessed with peace, which is peace, which is rest and protection, and we have special favor, the kind of favor that changes the world. Seven verses of Philippians will tuck you in and wake you up. It'll encourage you today. It gives you your identity and what God gives you, and know there's an assignment on your life to go and be salt and light, to give grace and power, and to see God do something this week. Listen, we don't limp into Monday. We launch into Monday. Why? Because if this Bible is true, God has an assignment for our life, and we have favor, special favor today. All over this place, can we stand to our feet as we close today? Are you encouraged today? The book of Philippians, next week, we're going into the next few verses. Can I encourage you to read this today? Let God speak to you today. Speak to your life. Speak to your purpose. I would be amiss today not to take a moment and say, Mike, if you don't, if you don't know Jesus Christ, today you can know this God that covers your sins, forgives your past, but also gives you grace and power for tomorrow. If you don't know this Jesus, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that a miracle happens. You know you can be right with God today. You can leave here knowing my past is forgiven, my present has power, and my future is secured because God's gonna finish what he started. If you say, Mike, I don't know Jesus, all over this place, if you just bow your head for a moment for privacy, you say, Mike, I don't know Jesus. Would you pray with me in a moment? I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand and put it right back down. That's it. And we're going to believe today that a miracle is going to happen in your life. You say, Mike, I want a fresh start. I want to know the power of God. If that's you, raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand all over this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Put your hand right back down. Can we pray today? The Bible says confess with your mouth. We're going to pray together. We're going to believe together. Can we all pray this together? Can we do this as a family? Repeat this after me. Lord Jesus Christ. Come into my life with grace and power. Forgive me for my past. Would you take away my shame? Take away my sin? Would you help me follow you? I pray for power to be holy. Would you lead my life? Right now, would you start a good work? But I know you're going to finish it. I trust you with my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.